Welcome everyone to Force of Nature Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew D. Hamilton, and I'm here with my co-host, David Bodger. Terrific. So happy holidays, everyone. Woohoo! And this week on the pod, instead of talking about killer animals, uh, since it's the holidays and Christmas just around the corner, I wanted to do something a little less deathy. <laughs> so this week we are going to be talking about animals that have actually saved people. That's that'll be good. Yes. And we have a lot of interesting stories to tell this week. Uh, this episode is going to be kind of similar similar to our one we had two weeks ago when we talked about um, the, the zoos and the crazy people who jumped in. Yeah. We're going to do a similar style to that. So we'll, I've got a couple longer stories, and then I'm going to go rapid fire and end on a longer one, something like that. All right. And uh, also, you have a story or two for us this week, yeah. right? Yeah. Great. Dave brought us a couple stories, I think. Uh, hopefully everyone enjoyed last week's episode. I know I definitely did because we covered my favorite animal, the jaguar. So make sure you go back uh, to listen to it if you haven't yet. Dave, what is one thing that you learned from last week's episode? <sighs> I know I'm supposed to know this. Um, the Black Panther. It's not a panther. It is a genetic trait in a... No, not uh, the Black Panther. No, you're, you're, oh, you're and, on the right and track. the Jaguar. Sorry, yeah. Yes. A, a, a black panther is not its own animal. It is just a black jaguar. Or even a leopard. But that's what the point was. So could, <laughs> you, you passed. Uh, um, hopefully everyone enjoyed that and learned a couple things there as well. And if you did and you like the show, what you can do to help us out is go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, review, give us five stars, say something you like about the show. And if you don't have iTunes, then leave a comment on whatever platform you have. Even You can even go to our Facebook page and uh, do a review there. That would be just as equally as good. Well, maybe not. iTunes are actually <laughs> a little bit better. So if you have iTunes... It's a higher quality citizen. <laughs> I didn't get that one at all. It's better. You said it was better. iTunes is better. iTunes, yeah, it so, is, yes, it's better. There are better people that use iTunes. What? Which voice is that, Dave? It's a proper posh British. Oh, man. All right. I, meaning, I liked meaning, it, but I didn't know what it was. they were better than anyone else. Okay. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> but, yes, uh, iTunes is the better one to give a review on. That was the one that pulls the most weight. But, yeah, give us a review anywhere. Uh, we'll give you a shout-out if you do. We have one shout-out today. Ooh. So, uh, yeah, uh, please do that if you can. But... Enough about that. What do you say we get going? We got a lot of things to cover this episode, Dave. Okay, let's let's do it. Let's just jump into it. Let's hop into our first story. And for this one, we have to go back to 2005, and we are going to Ethiopia. Okay. Uh, a young girl was kidnapped by a group of men as she was walking home from school one day. Ooh. And this girl is only 12 years old. Ooh. Apparently, this is actually a thing in parts of Ethiopia where men will kidnap children and then force them into marriage. <laughs> like, it's a legit thing, though. It's a thing. No, like, it happens all the time. <laughs> I'm sure they talk to their kids. Don't worry, my son. You're, I, I can't wait for your next first kidnapping. I'll be so proud. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. It is. It's awful. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> So, yeah, they, uh, I guess, yeah, this happens more than you think. And, I mean, yeah, it sounds awful. But the girl had been missing for about a week. And she was apparently beaten and, you know, probably much worse. Too. Jeez. Uh, a 
after a week, the kidnappers were moving the girl. But then three lions encounter the group and they scare the men away. Uh, They scare off the men, leaving the scared girl behind. The lions, who you'd think would rather eat the girl, end up circling her and stay with her until authorities show up. Wow. Seemingly like protecting the girl. Wow. Like standing guard, I guess. And when a police arrive, the lions retreat and walk away. But the lions stayed guard for several hours. That is crazy. Several hours uh, looking after the girl. That is crazy. It really is. And so, you you know, if I don't mind, if you don't mind me adding, every time you go, you go to the zoo, I've been there and I've seen this happen, but you also see it on YouTube. There's little kids screaming at the glass. Oh, "Oh, look at the lions. And that's when the lions are always pouncing, you know? Yeah. Like they pounce at the little kids. (laughs) Through the glass. Screaming at the high pitch, you know? It's like, and so, and in fact, I even saw a video on YouTube of uh, this this little, she was like two years old, two or three years old. It was on a Spanish network. She, um, you know, they have, they have a zoologist come show yeah, animals yeah. for some show. And then they had a, a lion cub there. And all of a sudden, the little girl starts, she was two or three. She starts squirming in her mom's lap and goes, eh, like this. Lion attacks the, the kid. You're like, what the heck? Like through the glass, right? No, is this is a glass. They had it on a leash. It's oh. a lion cub. They brought it into a show. Lion cub? Yeah. Oh, wow. But it was still good size. I see. So when it grabs the, tries grabbing the girl, they're like, oh, no, 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 right. no, no. And you're like, what the heck? So like that kid the screaming, in- you think it just, it would get their instincts to go like, all right, I got to get it. You know? Yeah. That, but that's, that's, that's interesting. That's what makes it seems makes it even so much more odd, almost a miracle yeah. you know, that they're standing guard over Yeah, and like. Kid. The lion's behavior seems miraculous, like, like you've never seen that yeah. before. And, like, why would they do this? Now, it's believed that uh, the reason is because the girl was crying. And, I mean, she was going through a lot, so very understandable. Yeah. And perhaps to the lions, her uh, whimpering might have actually been mistaken for cries of a lion cub, which is possibly yeah. why they protected her. Interesting. It's, uh, now, there are some naysayers that uh, don't even believe the story or think the lions had different motives. <laughs> one man. Well, they didn't kill her, so. Th- yeah, exactly. Say it had a different motive. So, one man is a game hunter, thinks that the lions were probably preparing to eat her, but were intercepted by police. But he even contradicts himself by also saying. If they were going to, wouldn't they have already done so immediately <laughs> instead of offering her a ring of protection? He's like, I don't know. She could have done. They were, did it for this reason. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I've never seen a lion say, where's Fred? Oh, we can't eat without. We got to wait for him <laughs> so we can say grace. <laughs> no, lions don't do don't do that. So nobody really knows why the lions did this. But since it's almost Christmas, we like to think that the lions were protecting the girl. Yeah. And all's well that ends well, and the girl was saved from her kidnappers, obviously traumatized, but alive. And police did end up catching uh, catching up with some of the men, and four of them were arrested. Oh, okay. But yeah, the lion saved the girl, and the story ends with a happy ending. Yeah. So, I mean, How come very that's crazy. not in, uh, what is it, uh, the, nursery, the nursery tales you hear? Well, it's it's still not a very good story. <laughs> I, I happily ever after. <laughs> I mean, kidnapping and then what they did with her. We're not going to go there, but 
probably not best not best for the kids story but it is a crazy story yeah so let's go to our next one so our next story takes us to Hwangari, new zealand did not say that hmm. right in late 2004 a man named rob ho house house was out swimming with his daughter and her two friends when seemingly out of nowhere, seven bottlenose dolphins approached them. That's cool. Wow. Right? Wait, wait, wait. So this is in the ocean or lake? Yeah, they're in the ocean. Oh, okay. And they're in New Zealand. So, yes, being having seven bottlenose dolphins coming up, that'd wow. be pretty cool. I mean. Yeah. But Howes says that they were behaving really weird. Huh. Turning tight circles and slapping the water with their tails. Oh. Now, Rob, his daughter, and her friends didn't know what was going on. And the dolphins swam straight at them and then dove underwater. And uh, I'm going to quote Rob here. I turned in the water to see where it was going to come up. But instead, I saw this great big gray fish swim around me. This fish was a great white shark. Oh, my goodness. It glided in an arc and headed for two of the girls. My heart went into my mouth because one of them was my daughter. So pretty scary stuff so far. But the dolphins were going ballistic. And uh, the dolphins then herded Rob and all the girls together and circled protecting them around for 40 minutes. Wow. Until uh, while while they were fending off the shark. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Until the shark finally lost interest and went away but that's amazing behavior yeah there's gonna be a lot of amazing behaviors in this episode uh and according to uh, a dr rochelle constantine of auckland university says that dolphins are known for helping helpless animals sometimes wow like they'll do it to other marine animals as well that's neat and this isn't the only dolphin story i have oh okay let's go to the next one all right I'm ready for that. In 2002, a 36-year-old Australian man named Grant Dixon, who went out fishing in northern Queensland, now something happened hours later which caused the boat to capsize. Grant finds himself alone in the middle of the ocean, holding on to what remains of his boat. We don't know exactly... Uh, what happened we don't but uh grant is bleeding he then sees a group of sharks begin circling him how scary would that be dave that's like your worst fear in the world isn't it yeah i'd be freaking out (laughs) would you be freaking out would you just be like i'd be screaming like a little girl and then they would just protect me Uh, hopefully (laughs) i don't know uh then to grant's amazement a pot of dolphins also began circling him, scaring off the sharks. Wow. In the end, Grant was rescued uh, safe and sound. Nice. Normally I turn normally on a story like that, I'll turn it and spin like, oh, but somebody died. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, there isn't any of that this week. Wow. So another dolphin story. In 2007, a 24-year-old surfer named Todd Endress was out surfing when he was attacked by a great white shark. Legit attacked. Ooh. And the shark actually bites him twice. Oh my goodness. The terrified man thinking he would surely die when suddenly about 15 bottlenose dolphins appeared and surrounded him, forming a barrier between him and the shark. Wow. Isn't that insane? How, that is crazy. That is crazy. Uh, this 
This protection allowed Todd to swim to shore safely. And he, I mean, he did have severe wounds, but ultimately survives and recovers shortly after. Wow. Yeah. Shark, dolphins are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> right? That is crazy. They're so much smaller than a gray white, but yeah, though. Yeah. All right. And so Courageous. I, I've got one more. Wow. And two th- <laughs> more, yeah, there's quite a few stories of them. In 2004, five British scuba divers were adrift in the Red Sea. Hmm. The Red Sea is uh, in between Egypt and Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So adrift at sea for hours, then finally find, found by a rescue boat, and they attribute a pod of dolphins who surrounded the, the divers, and the rescue boat actually spotted the dolphins first. Huh. And so the dolphins drew the boat's attention to the surrounded scuba divers, and the divers believe that the dolphins did this on porpoise. <laughs> nice. Hey, hey. Matt, I'm so proud of you. I forgot I even wrote you that got down. A pun in there. I got a pun in there. That's a good one, though, huh? <laughs> I'm so proud of you. It was a good one. <laughs> but yeah, the, so the dolphins, uh, they think they did this on purpose to help wow. save them, I guess. That's crazy. But yeah, dolphins have saved people several times i mean i love dolphins how could you, how could anybody not love dolphins they're yeah. they're really amazing and so i looked i dug a little deeper in, into why dolphins have why they would save humans you might ask that's right dolphins sometimes show behaviors that are similar to humans in the wild they usually help each other if they are sick or injured but that's their own kind so why would they help a different species uh, researchers think that sometimes the relationship between humans and dolphins have to do with a help-reward relationship. Hmm. An example of this is of dolphins who sometimes help fishermen catch fish, like dolphins lead fish into the nets. Oh, okay. Uh, they do this because they receive a portion of the fish. Oh, okay. If either the people give it to them, give them fish, or the nets help them catch the fish, I'm not sure. Okay. But it's a, like a reward system, you yeah. know, you get what I mean? Yeah, symbiotic. Yeah. yeah. Now, the act of defending humans from something like a shark is similar to the behavior of mothers protecting offspring. Wow. There are many other stories of swimmers or divers who claim dolphins assisted in raising them to the surface. Like they'll say they're drowning and then they'll bump them up to keep their head above water. Wow. Uh, But whatever it is that makes dolphins help people, it's pretty awesome. And dolphins are awesome. But, uh, and you know, I, I did, I do know of a couple stories. We have, I think we're going to do, take a shot. This is going to be your first shot, uh, listeners. Uh, we're going to do a dolphin episode sometime. Ooh, okay. That'll be good. Yeah. I, I know of a few instances. I mean, they're all because of humans. Okay. But they, they have, they have killed people. So <laughs> we will cover that sometime. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's move on. Uh, dolphins actually aren't the only marine mammal to save someone. I, I kind of like this story, so uh, let's go to San Francisco okay. on September 25th, the year 2000, and we meet a very suicidal man named Kevin Hines. Kevin is suff- or Kevin was suffering from mental illness and like bipolar disorder and psychosis, and he decides to go to the Golden Gate Bridge to jump, and he's only 19 years old too. Oh, wow. So um, I was curious to, and did a little research about suicide on the Golden Gate Bridge. And uh, it's a hot spot. 
for suicides. It is the second most um, used bridge for suicide in the world. After the Nanjing-Yangtze River Bridge in China. So at, at the Golden Gate Bridge between 1937 and 2012, an estimated 1,600 bodies were recovered in the San Francisco Bay. Wow. That's a lot. That's, those are just the ones recovered. Gee. So when someone jumps, they fall around 245 feet, mm. going at 75 miles an hour. Wow. And the fall only lasts four seconds, though. And then is there there's about a 95% death rate from jumping. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty good. That is crazy. Uh some and some people die instantly from internal injuries while others drown or die from hypothermia. Mm. And Kevin almost became one of these statistics. See. So I have, so, oh yeah, Kevin jumps, by the way. I think I, did I say that? I don't know, but Kevin jumps. <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to give it to Kevin here in his own words. After jumping, my first thought was that I had made a terrible mistake. Miraculously, I survived. And despite my severe injuries, I was able to reach the surface of the water. Upon my resurf my resurfacing, I bobbed up and down in the frigid waters surrounding me. Mm. Then something brushed by my leg. I feared it was a shark come to devour me whole. I tried to punch it, thinking it might bite me. However, this animal just circled beneath me, bobbing, bumping me up. Huh. So keeping him afloat and his head above water. A passerby who saw the animal said it was a sea lion. Oh, wow. Yeah, sea lion. I could see that. Yeah. Uh, then... Police were called. A rescue team was able to get to Kevin on in time and pull him out of the water. Wow. It is doubtful that Kevin would have survived had uh, the helpful sea lion not kept his head above water. Gee. So Kevin is one of the very, very few people to have survived jumping from the Golden Gate Bridge. Wow. That's a that's an interesting story. Huh? Yeah. Oh, man. All right. So. For this next part, this is where we're going to kind of go rapid fire a little bit. So okay. kind of like we did a couple episodes ago. And we have, I kind of, for th these next stories, these are going to be like more domestic animals that okay. save people. Uh, there might be a wild one mixed in there. I can't remember. But yeah, for the most part, it's domesticated animals. Okay. So let's get it going. For our first story, let's meet Khan, who is a Doberman pincher. Those, they're nice. pretty cool. I like Doberman. Con! <laughs> you tore my slipper! Now, he had only been a member of his family for a few days. Oh, and this story takes place in Australia as well. Uh, so, Khan is in the yard with the, a toddler and the mother. While they were in the yard, the mother was shocked to see the dog acting aggressively to the toddler. Hmm. Khan even picked up the child by its diaper and tossed the toddler behind him. <laughs> the mother, not knowing what's going on, checks on the toddler to make sure it's okay, then realizes that Khan had been bitten by a snake. Oh, wow. The snake... And we know those are dangerous things. Yeah, the, the snake was a uh, venomous King Brown, or they're also known, known as the Mulga snake. Oh. Very venomous. Uh, the snake had been only inches away from the child when Khan moved when Khan moved the child away. 
uh, seemingly taking the bite to himself while moving the child away. Oh, Khan so, got bit instead of the baby. Yeah, thing? Khan oh, got bit instead of the okay. baby while, like, while he was moving the baby out of the way. Oh wow! Uh, now, if the snake had bit the child, it would have for sure been fatal. Uh, with how venomous they are, and a small child like that. Wow! But luckily, Khan was there to save the baby, and then the owners took Khan to the hospital or vet, whatever. And he was able to fully recover after wow. being treated with anti-venom. Oh, that's good. Right, that's a hero dog right yeah. there. Khan's pretty cool. All right, uh, next story. Uh, we are going to 2007, and we meet Winnie the Wonder Cat. Interesting. We also meet Kathy Kessling uh, her hu- and her husband and teenage son. Now, they go to bed one night when a water pump in their basement created a carbon monoxide leak. Ooh. And carbon monoxide is very dangerous yeah. and is a very silent killer. Like you never see it coming. Uh, Winnie sensed the change in the air and rushed to Kathy's bed to wake her up. Her husband and son were already unconscious from the carbon monoxide. Wow. She was barely able to make her, to make herself get up, um, because Winnie was jumping on her and barely managed to call 911, which led to their rescue. Jeez. Now, without Winnie, there's little chance that the family would have survived. That is crazy. Winnie the Wonder Cat. Wow. All right, well, now let's meet Dory the Rabbit. <laughs> Along with Simon and his wife, Victoria. And this happens in 2004, I think in the UK. I'm not sure, though. Mm. Not all of them say where they're from. Now, Victoria was in the kitchen while Simon was watching TV. Simon appeared to have dozed off, which is very common. (laughs) But in reality, he was suffering a diabetic reaction, uh, which makes him unable to move or to make a sound. Oh, wow. Dory the rabbit sensed something was wrong and began anxiously hopping and jumping on his chest. Wow. Victoria soon noticed the odd behavior and that Simon wasn't waking up. Because <laughs> you'd probably wake up if a giant, <laughs> if a, a rabbit's jumping on you. And then she realizes what was going on. She then called for emergency assistance where they saved Simon. Wow. But give credit to Dory the rabbit. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty that's crazy. Dude, all of these are going to be like that. Uh, I have to say, I'm a little, I'm a little impressed with brain power of rabbits now. Yeah. I know, huh? <laughs> well, let's go to our next one. And we're, we're going back to Australia in 2002. And let's meet a 78-year-old farmer named Noel, Ar- Noel Osborne. My grandfather was actually named Noel. Yeah. N-O-E-L. It's not yeah. Noel. It's Noel. Uh, I never got to meet him. But uh, anyway, let's, keep, let's continue. <laughs> but this Noel was working on the farm when he slipped on manure while tending his animals. Noel suffers a broken hip. <laughs> Just wait, like the stereotypical, oh, you're going to break your hip for an old man. <laughs> and this old man does break his hip oh. while slipping on manure. And he is unable to move. Oh. And he is. That means he's probably in it too then. Probably, yeah. Oh. And he is stuck in this spot for five days. Whoa. Yes. And he served. Does he not have a family there? I guess not, or I don't know how that works out, but um, he survived these days thanks to his goat named Mandy, 
who would, who curled up with him during the cold nights. Oh. And allow now get this allowed him to drink her milk. Wow. So he's sucking on goat uh, goat milk. And that's apparently part of what saved him. That's wow. That's something else, right? Yeah. And uh, he was eventually found. And I guess I don't know. What, I don't know if he's. I doubt he's alive now. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's isn't that that's interesting? Crazy. Yeah. All right. Let's let's continue. Let's go to our next one. Now let's meet Brenda Owens and her Labrador Penny. Brenda takes Penny for a lunchtime walk in Wales in the UK. And they notice something unusual in a body of water. A wheelchair, actually. Then they discover an unresponsive woman uh, bobbing nearby in the water. Hmm. Not knowing what to do, Brenda just like tells she's like, fetch! <laughs> like, not knowing something, like, maybe she'll actually do it. <laughs> fetch! And Penny follows the direction and jumps into the water and drags the woman to shore. Wow. I don't have anything in information on if, if what happened after afterwards, but hey, let's let's just say that she survived. Yeah, <laughs> and, and let's just, a good let's thing. say she never even had to go in a wheelchair again. She was cured from a wheelchair. <laughs> I doubt it, but <laughs> all right. Well, now let's let's continue to our next one. Let's meet Michael Bosch and his cocker spaniel named Honey. Hmm. While backing out of his hilly driveway. Something went wrong, and I don't know what, but the car topples down a hill and lands upside down in a ravine. Ooh. I guess out of his driveway. Gee. I mean, I, I've seen houses that his can driveway have that must possible. be like ours, then. Uh, <laughs> Yours is just a steep <laughs> hill. But I've, I've seen houses in Golan neighborhoods around us that could have something yeah. like this. I, so I could see how this could happen. Yeah. Uh, Michael was completely trapped and, and injured but managed to get Honey out of the car through a shattered window. Uh, Michael laid there for hours, when finally a neighbor appeared and helped him. The neighbor says an anxious Honey had been waiting on his doorstep for since he, or waiting on his doorstep when he arrived home. So Honey had been there waiting wow. for somebody, and then they finally figured out that something was wrong. So, hey, good job, Honey. Yeah. It's funny, wow. I, I, there seems to be a lot of Story. I've heard a lot of stories of that happening and dogs really like um, trying to find help and yeah. they actually do. That's really fascinating that yeah. they can do that. Now let's go to the next one. Let's meet Fiona Boyd. She is a Scottish farmer and Fiona was attempting to relocate a dairy cow and their, and her calf to a different paddock one afternoon. But the territorial mother cow began attacking Fiona, Ooh. rushing up to her and knocking her to the ground. And just when Fiona thought she was about to be smashed by the mother cow, her horse, named Kerry Gold, came over and started and kicked the cow away from wow. Fiona. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Have a horse do that. Your horses have, like, such a powerful kick. It's oh, unreal. Yeah. Oh, guess what? I know a guy that got kicked by, or a kid that got kicked by one. Really? Yeah. We, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we hear him running out of the bar and going, "Help! Help!" And then we're like, "What is it?" And he comes running up, and then he collapses by us. And he's like, and he can't breathe after that. It was so weird. He could say help, but then after that, his the wind was out. Oh, that's. Then you're like, "Oh shoot! What do we do?" So we ran to the house to get somebody. Then he's the wind got back into. Okay, him. so he, he got out pretty him. lucky. Yeah. Uh, 
like this is going to be, I guess, uh, shot number two for everybody. But we're going to have a horse episode because <laughs> they've they, horses I, I, kind of scare me a little bit too. I'll be honest. You got to be careful with them. Yeah, they really do. I mean, they're awesome and they're wonderful animals, but yeah. they're there's just something about them, like how wild they could be, and they're huge. Yeah. Horses they can are. be huge. They're, their temperaments to me seem more like cats. You know, some yeah. of them are just like, get away from me, you human. And well, some ones, are nice. Other ones, yeah. Some ones just like, want hey, food. Yeah. But yeah, so we'll, we'll we'll talk horses more in one episode sometime. Okay. But let's continue. Let's meet Debbie Parkhurst, who was snacking on an apple one afternoon when she suddenly began choking on a bite of her apple. <sighs> and she's alone in her home at the time. She attempts. She attempted the Heimlich maneuver on herself to no effect, and she then collapses. But her dog is there. Uh, her dog is a golden retriever named Toby, and Toby starts uh, pouncing on her oh, chest. Nice. Uh, pouncing on her chest, which dislodges the apple and clears her airwaves. And though she did suffer some bruises when she was being pounced on, but she was happy that her sweet pup was able to rescue her. Yeah, gee. If they teach that in doggy school. <laughs> I don't think they do teach that in doggy school. <laughs> it's just new and I don't think my dog, my black lab Roxy, would know what to do in that situation. <laughs> she'd probably just... She'd just put throw the, a bone on you. Here, you need she, this. Yeah, she'd, she'd put the dummy and expect me to throw it again. <laughs> All right, now let's meet a woman named Megan. Megan is looking after her roommate's two-year-old daughter one day at the house. She steps away to use the bathroom for a minute. She then hears her parrot named Willie, who is a very good speaker. Hmm. She hears Willie shouting, Mama, baby, Mama, baby. Two words she never heard Willie string together before. So she rushed out to find that the toddler was choking on food. Oh, wow. And thanks to the timely alert, Megan was able to give the youngster um, uh, the Heimlich maneuver and bring it back to life and save it. Wow. So good job, Willie the parrot. I like Willie the parrot. Yeah. You know, funny thing, um, uh, when I was in Jersey, I met a lady. She had something like seven or nine parrots. Like that was her life. Instead of a cat lady, she was a parrot lady? Yeah. I mean, it's parrots. You're like, holy moly. And she'd take them out, set them on the tree, you know, and they, they'd be out there for an hour or two, and then she'd bring each one back in. Like, she had a schedule with them, you know, okay. just constantly taking care of them. But she, they were smart because she had spent so much time with them. She would train them, mm-hmm. teach them things, you know. And uh, she, I remember her, her telling me one time, um, uh, she was bringing them all in. One was being temperamental, didn't want to come in. She's like, no, you got to come in. So it started biting her, and parrots, parrot bites hurt. Oh, yeah? And so she got mad and smacked it. <laughs> and the parrot said, why you hit me? Why'd you hit me? <laughs> really? And, yeah, and she's like, because you're biting me. And so then it stopped biting her. Like, she it got on her arm. It was like they were having in. a conversa- legit conversation. Yeah. so it was, like, it was like, you know, birds will talk, the parrots will talk, but it was like they understand. Yeah. It's not just talking, they understand. That's... And another time she was... Uh, vacuuming, and one of the parents is like, "What you doing?" <laughs> really? She's like, "I'm I'm dust busting. I'm vacuuming." Why? <laughs> it's like, uh, because. Why do you ask? And it didn't say anything after that, you know. But it was interesting. That's I was really kind of start to get that, you know. 
<laughs> they're like, pretty smart. Why'd you hit me? <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. pretty funny. That's a good story. Yeah. All right. Now let's meet. Uh, let's continue. Let's meet a woman named Joanne Altsman, who agreed to look after her daughter's potbelly pig one day. Hmm. And it turned out to be that the pig named Lulu, who ended up looking after Joanne, because Joanne began suffering a heart attack. Ooh. And she collapses. Uh, it was Lulu who saved the day. The, the pig managed to squeeze itself through the home's doggy door, <laughs> which has got to be really tough for a fat pig, you know? <laughs> I think they did better luck crashing. And crashing that, Lulu even um, suffers some cuts to her belly from, wow. from getting out. But she does make it through. Uh, Lulu then went to the road and stopped traffic by laying down in the middle of the road. Wow. Soon, a man stopped and followed Lulu back to her home just in time to save Joanne from cardiac arrest. Wow. That's, That's a crazy. good one, huh? Yeah. A potbelly pig. I, I used to have neighbors that had a potbelly pig. And it, oh, really? Yeah, it, it was fun. They didn't really do anything. Oh. But it was it was fat. Its stomach was like on the ground. <laughs> but it was fun. It was kind of a cute little... It was like so ugly that it's cute kind of yeah, a pig. Yeah. But yeah, it, I could see how they make good pets. They actually do make pretty good pets for a lot of people. Huh. All right, so let's move. go to our next one. Let's go to Staten Island, New York, and meet Justin Becker and his pit bull named Kilo. Hmm. Now, another, now, another man posing as a FedEx delivery man tried to shove himself through the front door. Hmm. Both Justin and Kilo jump into action. Justin attempts to shut the door and Kilo attempting to bite the intruder. But when the man wiggles free, he also has a gun and shot Kilo. Um, Yeah, the bullet apparently ricochets off of his skull and into his neck. I said, oh my goodness. I don't know what kind of bullet. Maybe a twenty-two. Yeah, yeah, most likely. I mean, to go like a, hit the skull and do nothing. That's Jeez. a mean skull they've got. I know they got a big skull, but yeah. uh, after all the excitement, Kilo was rushed to the vet clinic where he actually makes a full recovery. Oh, that's good. Nobody's died yet. Wow. <laughs> so we got that going for us. Yeah. All right, now let's meet uh, Diane Busher. Sure, I can't read my own writing here, but <laughs> I had something like that. And she was woken up at 4.45 a.m. by the cries of the family cat, Oreo. That's the name of the cat, Oreo, uh, coming from the garage. Diane went to uh, went got up and went to see what all the fuss was about. And when she went downstairs, saw that uh, saw smoke and flames because her house was on fire. <sighs> She quickly grabbed the cat and rushed to wake up her husband and five children in wow. the home. Uh, the fire destroyed the garage and a bedroom. And it's funny because actually none of the fam. Oh, okay. Wait, sorry. Um, no- nobody was harmed first off, but it's actually kind of funny because uh, none of the family was actually too fond of the cat before oh, really? this. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what you now? One of them will say, uh, "We we love it now. This cat is getting some extra tuna." <laughs> well, yeah, they weren't too fond of the cat. Then then it saves their lives, and now they're really fond of it. Wow! All right, for the next one, let's. I mean, that's a lot. We've covered a lot of stories already, huh? Yeah. 
But let's go to Texas in 1982. A child and his grandmother are walking the family dog named Arf. (laughs) I like that. That's a pretty good, that's a solid dog name, Arf. (laughs) What's your name? Arf. Arf. (laughs) Arf. But uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what, what kind of dog Arf is, but Arf suddenly became very agitated. So agitated that the grandmother thought it was best to take the child inside. And then she goes back outside to find Arf or she, yeah, she takes the child inside, comes back outside to find Arf in a fight with a 24 inch North American coral snake. Oh, wow. Which are quite venomous. And the, the badass grandmother, apparently she has a gun on her, shoots the snake. <laughs> nice. Uh, but Arf has been bitten several times. Ooh. And had to be admitted into a vet hospital for 24 days. Wow. But eventually made a strong recovery. Oh, that's good. That's a long time to be in a doggy hospital. Yeah. A hospital, and even for a human, that's a long time. Yeah. Right? 24 days. Imagine the bill on that. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next one. In 2008, a woman named Angela, she and her young son were walking home from the playground. And as they entered a parking lot, a man holding a knife told them to stop to stop moving. But then, out of nowhere, a large pit bull ran out and charged the man, who quickly fled. Oh, nice! And this wasn't even their dog. This was—they don't even know whose dog? dog it was. Yeah. Gee. But uh, yeah, nobody knows the knife-wielding man's intentions, but. No doubt they weren't any good, and this dog <laughs> saved them. Yeah. Wow. All right, I got one more story, and then we're going to hop to your stories. Okay. So let's go, go to Ontario, Canada, and we meet a boy and his parents who go on a camping trip. The parents went out on a boat to go fishing while the boy stays behind. The boy witnesses his parents' boat tip over and watches as they struggle in the water and drown. Oh, my god! Ah, crap. There is death in this. <laughs> oh. That's our first death. But it's part of a story, not the story. Gee. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine that? I mean. It's crazy. Yeah, watching your parents drown, not being able to do anything about it. But the boy starts walking to the nearest town. But the sun starts setting. And he realizes he has to spend the night on the cold, damp ground. As he laid there crying, he felt a warm, furry body press up against him, which he thought was probably a dog. And, you know, he's delirious from the whole ordeal and he falls asleep. He woke up in the morning to find three wild beavers. What? Huddled against him and across his body. Wow. The beavers had saved him from freezing to death overnight. That is crazy. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't have any further details about what happened. I I looked. I couldn't find anything. But I'd like to believe that the boy is still alive. And the beavers took him as part of his their new family member. And he lives amongst the beavers still, to, still today. Yeah, like a beaver Tarzan. <laughs> No, I'm sure that did not happen. <laughs> I, I don't know what happens, but we'll we'll take it for a happy yeah. ending. You know what? Beavers, uh, um, they their sounds they make. It sounds like a baby whining. Oh my god! I can't and even so, I can't even think of their sound that they make. It's what it sounds. It sounds just like that. Like, yeah, it just sounds like a whine. And 
So I wonder if the the kids kind Possibly, of crying, yeah, the crying, cries. whining, and maybe the beavers sounded just like a beaver. I mean, can you think of any other explanation? Uh, yeah, that's that the only so possible weird. thing I could think <laughs> of. So is, weird. I mean, the same thing happened with the lions in the first story. Yeah. So that might be a thing. Children crying. I guess it's a thing, and they that's want crazy. to protect them. Yeah, that is crazy. All, All right. right. So are you ready, Dave? Yeah, I'm ready. So hit us with your story. I have no idea what these are about. Okay, so I wanted to do it on, I was always, uh, I remember hearing about St. Bernard's growing up, you know. St. Bernard's, no, remind, out, remind everyone what kind of dogs those they're are. They're huge. They is can that get, Beethoven? Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. big, 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 giant dogs. dogs. Yeah, they can get, you know. A couple they can hundred get pounds. Over, yeah, they can get to 200 pounds. Um, but they were used in the Swiss Alps. As rescue dogs. Okay. Um, it came to a point where there was a, a monastery up there. It ended up being called St. Bernard, you know, Bernard's okay. Monastery. And so they named the dogs St. Bernard's um, because they were used um, to kind of, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, at first it was the, the monks. I was going to say missionaries, but the monks go out. With, they'd go out with dogs, you know, during storms or okay. at times where they think people might be lost and they'd kind of look around the mountains and the dogs would try to sniff them out. And then after a while it became that the dogs would go out on their own. They just okay. have the, they train the dogs and they'd go out and they'd go out in pairs, you know, just like missionaries. <laughs> so they, they'd go out and what happens is they'd sniff out. And if they find someone, one of them, you know, they always have that, you see that thing with the barrel on them, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, is that? Al- what oh, is that? It was alcohol, you know, but it's most likely. <laughs> Wait, why was it alcohol? Well, I, it wasn't really. That's just what they did in the cartoons. They're like, oh, oh it's alcohol because it looks okay. like a beer. Yeah, yeah. Like, like a keg, of, like, a, like mini a mini keg or something. Mini keg on there. <laughs> yeah. Their yeah. Is that but like it, supplies? Yeah, it's got like water and, oh, okay. and food or something or some things that they might need, you know? And so they would they would sniff out someone in avalanche or someone that's hurt can't can't get somewhere, and one of the dogs then would stay there, and lay on top of them to keep them warm, and oh, the other yeah. dog would run back to the monastery and go get help. Really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. In fact, um, and, and so I was looking. I was like, I want a good story of this. Unfortunately, I couldn't find. It. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was kind of sad. I mean, they've got they they do this and they did this for centuries, you know. So. There would have, have to be stories, and there were some, but they were like in books, and I didn't have yeah, access to the books. You know, I'm sure they would be great stories, but there is one. Uh, well, there's one kind of a story with it uh, that tells how effective they were. Okay. Um, Napoleon marched through the Swiss Alps to go on Italy. You okay. Know, those, yeah. What was that back in the 18th, 17th century, somewhere around? Was there? It, I believe. God, I can't even remember. I'm a history major, and I can't even remember. <laughs> I'm drawing so, blank here. I think it was, it was 1800s, early. Yeah, I think crap. so. I can't remember. That sounds about right. So, um, anyway, they marched through. His his army marched through the Alps. Okay. You know. Yeah. Not one of them died. Really? Yeah, which just it works. Like if someone, there's bound to have so they, a soldier they have, lost. Do they have Bernard, Saint Bernards to go up there with them? Oh, the Saint Bernards. They they. They were, you know, that by that time they were trained. They okay. would just roam the area. Oh, I see. That was like the Saint Bernard's job. They would do that. Um, they there is one that they've uh, they have a museum of the guy or not the guy, the dog. He's stuffed. His name's no. Barry. Barry. Barry the Saint Bernard. Yeah, he he rescued forty live forty, 40 people lives in his in his life from yeah. like avalanches or yeah, probably going out avalanches and, and or, could be avalanches or just people somebody that got injured in the storm or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 
And so um, I just thought that was fascinating. Superheroes cool. are such a loving dog. Like they're you, they're huge, and you'd be like, oh man. But no, they're like they they're the gentle giants. You know? Yeah, that's they love cool. humans, and, and you can kind of see why they were bred to protect them. Now we but, might uh, need to. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. Look out! We could do an episode on Saint Bernard oh, saving people totally in the Alps. Could. I'd have to get some of those. We books. have to get a book. And yeah, that'd be. That sounds pretty cool. I'd be into that. It one. is. Yeah. Okay, I've got one more on a Saint Bernard. Okay, I kind of got oh, a tangent so- looking for this thing, you know. <laughs> but okay, so I love World War II. So this yeah, one's you, back. You and I are both <clears throat> big World War II guys. Oh yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. So this one is a dog in world during World War II. Excuse me. His name is, I want to say Bamsey, but that's not right. I heard it is. Bumsa. It's pronounced Bumsa. Bumsa? But it's spelled B-A-M-S-E. Okay. It's pronounced Bumsa. Um, but he was a St. Bernard um, that got onto, he was the mascot on a Norwegian ship. Okay. Um, Norway was taken over by Germany early on. But right. this ship escaped. They, w- they went to Britain. Okay. And were, so they were stationed in Britain for this time. But anyway, the St. Bernard's on the ship. So, of course, they didn't really see any action, but there were stories to tell about this St. Bernard. In fact, the St. Bernard is famous. Like, is it? At the port that they're at, they've got a statue for the for this really? dog, and they've got one in Norway, too. Um, um, it was just, you know, he's he was helping with the demeanor of the sailors right. mainly. I can but, see that. Yeah, but they've had stories of, of uh, whenever sailors would get in fights, <laughs> he would he would jump up. Shoulder, and they said he stands six feet. He was huge. Oh yeah, he'd put his paws on their shoulders, and they stopped. <laughs> stop. Dude, if it's, if a two hundred pound, uh, <laughs> yeah. if Beethoven jumped on my shoulders, yeah, I would yeah. stop doing what I'm doing. I'm yeah. pretty sure. So there was lots of that, especially at the bars and stuff. And yeah, jump up, and they'd stop fighting. You know, he'd just stop fighting. Peacemaker. They yeah. said a thief got on board the ship one time and and was threatening an officer with a knife. The dog jumped up. Touched the shoulders, and the guy was surprised. <laughs> fell fell overboard because oh, I really? guess they were out by the railing or whatever. And fell overboard, and they're like, "Oh, what a hero!" You know, <laughs> he say he rescued a guy that fell in once. Um, and and what was neat also what was neat because they were stationed there so long, and he knew all the crew members, and yeah. the crew members were always going off the it's ship. He's probably like one of them. Yeah, like, they probably treated the dog just as good. Oh yeah, yeah, it's not better. Yeah, I mean, he was commissioned. He's a, he was. It was an officer. A, well, not an officer, but he's commissioned a, a soldier. Okay, I got you. And so, but he he knew who they were. He knew where they would go because he'd follow them all the time. And they were there so long that it, it came down to the officers would rely on the dog. They'd tell the dog, "Go get the men." And the dog had a but they the men had bought him a bus pass, and it would <laughs> it was around the uh, collar. Really? Yeah, and he'd jump on the bus. And he'd just be looking out the window, and, and if he'd see so one of the soldiers walking, um, he'd bark. Uh, the bus would stop. Really? He'd get out, start pushing the soldier to the bus. That's crazy. And get him back on. And, and that's fascinating. It is. It was amazing. But yeah, he lived. Dog lived. I can't remember. He had a long life though. But it was it was pretty neat. He ended up getting a medal uh, posthumously. Really? When he, yeah, in two thousand six. For his devotion to duty. It was really interesting. I like this story. Yeah. And that was a St. Bernard as well. But again, I got off on a tangent because it was war. <laughs> I found another dog. This was not a St. Bernard. And this one was in World War One. But this dog 
um, I'll kind of spoil it, is the most decorated dog in history. Really? Yeah. Okay. This is amazing. I got I to gotta know more. Okay. So this is a, 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 it's, it's really a mutt, but it's got some kind of pit bull in him. <clears throat> but <clears throat> anyway, a soldier that was about to go off to war was in Yale. And that's where this dog was. I think he was about a year old. This dog went to Yale? He was, he was hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty small. <laughs> no, but the dog graduated like, from Yale. He was hanging around Yale where the, where the soldier was, was, and he took, okay. he ends up taking the dog with him, sneaks it overseas. <laughs> and, uh, and he was, I guess, apparently he had taught the dog to salute. <laughs> and, and so, cause, and, and finally an officer caught the dog. He's like, what is this doing here? And the dog saluted. Salute. And so the officer's like, eh, he can stay. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's awesome. Yeah. He, he's in. <laughs> yeah. So he ends up uh, becoming a, a commissioned soldier. <clears throat> and he's he's just stays with the uh, the guy that took him, the soldier that took him. I can't remember the soldier's name, but he stays with him. Anyway, um, he was in it for two years. nineteen seven. Well, he was in there from 1917 through 1918. Um, and he, he'd been wounded. Uh, in fact, I'm trying to think of one of the stories. There was, uh, um, uh, oh, the first time uh, the, the, everyone was sleeping. They were all sleeping in their, in their trenches. or the, yeah, or the yeah. I don't know what you call them, a bunker inside of a trench, you know. And the dog uh, was injured because what happened is the uh, Germans launched uh, gas at him. Yeah. And the, the, it got to the dog, but he smelled it. And so he goes and barks at everyone else. Said, hey, hey, right. get out, get out. And so they're like, oh, shoot, gas. And so they all leave. And so he saves the rest of them. But wow. he was he had to get treated for that because I guess the dog got a bunch. Yeah. And he was okay, though. Comes back out. And so th- from then on, the dog knew from that smell. Yeah. If when, anything probably smelled mustard close gas, to that. Right? Oh, most likely, yeah. If you'd smell anything close to that or get hints of that, he'd bark mm. and tell them, hey, hey. There's here, and so there's this. Yeah, and then another time, he got hit by artillery shrapnel, got and had to go back to the hospital again to recoup. But after that, then they started. He's um, he, you know, dogs have excuse me, they have a much better sense of hearing than we do, right? And so they could identify the whistles um, in the air. That we, you know, because you hear that, you know, we would hear that stuff from artillery shells, but they could hear it. Far beyond, like when it's going to start. That makes sense. Moving. I can, and I they can hear that. that. And so he'd start barking, boop, boop, boop. So they know artillery's coming, wow. and that gives them a little more time to duck and cover. Wow, it's um, a useful animal to have. Oh that. yeah. So and he's he's uh, in fact with artillery, he had jumped on uh, his his uh, when he when he was injured, he jumped on his uh, um, master. What do you call? Him? Uh, when I was his, well, you know, the guy that took him, he right. jumped on him. Trying to protect him too, you know. Aww. So the dog got a purple heart and got some more medals, you know. Here's one of the best stories. He caught a German spy. He the caught a German did. spy? Yes. How? Okay, so the dog had been with him so long, used to all the noises, used to the battles. He got used to the different uh, uh, languages of the soldiers. Okay. And so one night, um, there was a German spy that had snuck into the camp, was trying to look through documents to get something. The right. dog heard, came up to the guy, and the, the German spoke to the guy in German. <laughs> the dog recognized it. It's like, hey, that's not ours, <laughs> and started barking at him. And and so everyone, 
He was like, what's going on? And so they come up and got the guy. Wow. Caught him. Recognized the language yeah. difference. Oh, that was, yeah, that was another thing because he, he was then, he was also used to get soldiers out in the field, you know, like no man's land or whatever, mm-hmm. or soldiers in the trenches that were hurt. Oh. He would hear their cries and run to him and then really? start barking or try to bring people to him. Yeah. And he would learn from the languages because out in the field, you know, if it's someone he knew that was talking their language, he'd go to him. But he wouldn't go to the other ones. Oh, wow. It was interesting. That's a cool dog. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. He ended up becoming, he was promoted after he found that spy and became a sergeant. <laughs> the only dog to ever become oh, a sergeant. Man, a dog the rank a of a sergeant. sergeant. That's awesome. Oh, it was amazing. The, the dog had, uh, it was some uh, something on 10 medals. I couldn't believe it. Let me show you a picture. Look at that. His whole back. Is just covered in medals. <laughs> it really is. He's, the whole his whole uniform is just covered in medals. Yeah, it was amazing. That's a good looking dog too. Yeah, his yeah. name was Stubby. Oh yeah, I never told his name. His name was Stubby. Sergeant had, Stubby. He had a stubby tail, <laughs> so the guy named him Stubby. Oh, and here here's what Stubby. He was a bull terrier. Bull terrier. Okay. Yeah. Or we're looking on the Wikipedia page of it right now. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, that's cool. We're going to have to, I kind of want to go more into him sometime. Yeah, it was pretty neat. I'm sure there's books on him, too. I wouldn't doubt it. Well, I actually have yeah. it in my on my list. There's another shot, but <laughs> I have it on my list is uh, Animals in Warfare. Oh, I would love that. Yeah, we're going to do that an episode like that sometime. Okay, I ended up finding more, so I'll save those for those. <laughs> you will. Yeah, okay. I found some Vietnam. Great go. I might just you let know? you take this one, take it away on that one. Oh, oh yeah, cool. great, great stories, Dave. Those Thanks. were fun. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed those. St. Bernard's, and what was his name again? Sergeant? This was Sergeant Stubby. Sergeant Stubby. Yeah. Oh, he lived, he, cool lived to, he lived to nine years old. He survived the war. Really? Went on, lived, yeah. And he was only, I think, two or three by the time the war ended. So wow. he lived to like nine. He was just a pup then. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. We might have to go in a little more in depth on Stubby at some point. That was cool. Yeah, that would be neat. Yeah. And we might have to get a book on the St. Bernards and. Yeah. On that was interesting. Bumps. Yeah. Bump. What? Bumps? Oh, no. No, I can't get his name again. Uh, his name. Bumpsa. But like the. Bumpsa. the in the. Yeah. In the Swiss Alps to find figure out more oh, about Barry? that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like yeah. to learn more about that. Yeah. All right. But Dave, let's, I got one more story for us. Okay. We're good on time. We're fine. Oh yeah. All right. So I got one more story and I saved this story for last on purpose. And it's, it's a really great story. And well, let's just get into it. Okay. Let's meet eight year old Amber. She's British and is in Thailand on vacation along with her mother, Samantha, and stepfather, Eddie. And they go to Thailand to spend Christmas there. Okay. And they have been having a wonderful time, especially Amber. And her favorite part was going to the beach to see and ride elephants. Each morning, Amber would rush down to the beach to see the elephants and ride them up and down outside of their Sheraton hotel where they were staying. <laughs> so I guess the elephants, yeah, they just had like a little taxi service of, to take the kids on. And stuff. That sounds like a paradise. That sounds awesome. It, yeah. It, it does sound like quite like a paradise. And Amber, Amber formed a bond with her favorite elephant. The elephant is only four years old. So oh. a very young elephant. Yeah. And it's a male elephant named Ning Nong. <laughs> Ning Nong, uh, that's pretty, I like that name. Yeah. 
she would feed him bananas every morning and insisted on only writing Ning Nong. Oh. So, on the morning of December 26, 2004. Does that date ring a bell December to you 26, at all? December 2004? Does that date have any... Does that ring a bell to you at all? No. Okay, well, that, that's fine. Well, that is the date of the Indian Ocean Tsunami. Oh. The, the huge tsunami that yeah. took over uh, all, like, was Indonesia. It hit everywhere. Okay. It hit everywhere in the Indian Ocean, even down to South Africa. Gee. And this is, it's one of the world's uh, worst natural disasters in all of human history. Gee. And it killed over 200,000 people. Wow. But on this morning, Amber is down by the beach writing Ning Nong. Then the tide suddenly recedes. You know what I mean? Rick starts pulling back. Pulling back, right? Amber having no idea what is going on, but Ning Nong knows something is up. Let's get this in Amber's own words. What do you say? Yeah. While some people ran to pick up the fish scattered across the beach when the waves went out, Ning Nong became agitated. He knew something was wrong and began running as fast as he could inland. The elephant trainer kept trying to get him to come back down the beach towards the sea, but he wouldn't go. He kept pulling away and trying to run from it. Wow. As they headed inland... A huge wave rushed up to the elephant's shoulders. Wow. As Amber was clinging on its back. Gee. Amber watched in horror as other fellow holidayers were disappearing left and right under the wow. wave. Because that's legit. Have you ever seen the videos of yeah. this? It's, oh, man, it's crazy. It's, yeah. it's insane. We see crazy a lot, but this one is legit crazy. Yeah. Um... Meanwhile, the mother, Samantha, is terrified, looking everywhere for her daughter and the elephant, since she knew that Amber would be with the elephant. Uh, back to Amber and Ning Nong, the elephant was forcing his body further inland uh, against the force of the water. Even as trees and buildings fell, Ning Nong remained standing. Wow. He only stopped when he found a small wall then wedged himself beside the the stone wall and he withstood the powerful pressure of the rising water long enough for amber to scramble onto the wall to safety i guess the wall was higher up oh, and okay. so she yeah long enough to safety and let's go back to the uh mother samantha and in her own words i saw a ningnong in the distance at the other end of the beach by the wall with Amber on his back. I was almost hysterical with relief. We grabbed her and then ran to the hotel, going to the top floors. Less than ten minutes later, the next wave came in and swept the ground floors away. Wow. Yeah. The family was very lucky that their hotel had not been hit too badly. And three days later, they were able to fly back home. Samantha says, those three days were dreadful. We stayed inside our hotel, but those who want, who ventured out told us of seeing 
scores of bodies floating down the roads, oh, which is true. Wow. That's that. I definitely believe that. That's crazy. Now, the fate of our hero, Ning Nong, is, ne- is not known. Oh. And it's never known, actually. Amber uh, never sees him again. And there is no information about what happens to him. Oh, uh, he wow. possibly died, but we just don't know what happened to Ning Nong. And 14 years later, Amber, who is now 22 years old, and her uh, gratitude to Ning Nong remains intact. Amber says, I quote, He saved my life. He knew the signs that something was, was going to happen, and he carried me to safety. I will always be grateful, and it's made me more appreciative of life. It taught me at a very young age that terrible things can happen in an instant and life can be changed forever. Which is very, very true. Well said, Amber. And she also still sends money each year towards the upkeep of elephants in the area. Oh. That's nice. Yeah. quite, But quite a story, huh? That is. I mean... I wish I had a little bit more to that one, but there's just not that much. Yeah. Other well, than God, people couldn't even find each other. After no, that. people couldn't find each other. I mean, an elephant, maybe you find an elephant <laughs> easier, but <laughs> uh, they could have just been like, it's just an elephant. So they just skipped it and yeah, nobody identified it. Like, hey, she's safe. I'm going, you know? Yeah. We don't. Or it got swept away. Is oh, also very likely. Not, but, I mean, now those waves were, I remember uh, reading in, in Thailand, they got a big part of it. Indo- I think Indonesia got the worst of it, but in Thailand, the, guy, wave, the wave got up to 20 feet in some areas, Jeez. which is huge. Yeah. But Wow. You know, I think it would also be safe to say, you know, if that thing starts retreating when he sees when they see the water going, you know, most humans are like, oh, look, you know, yeah. something weird's happening. And that thing's like, okay, something's weird's happening. I'm going. Yeah. And he's only four years old. Four-year-old So I think elephant. it's safe to say he's never... He's never seen a tsunami before. No, it's <laughs> definitely safe to say. So and so, no one could have taught him. It's just how would he know? It's like it's just instinct. Kind of it's got to be. Sometimes him, animals know? just have. I don't know if it's their hearing, their smell. I don't know. It's just yeah. they got something that we don't. Yeah. Or we've lost it. I guess you could say maybe we had it, could but be. now that everything's different, we lost it. That's very possible. Could be. Well, you hear you hear some people saying like, "I felt you know, I felt I should do this." You yeah. Know? Some kind of a feeling, you know, things you get. It's interesting. Yeah, but it it's, really is. It's not because yeah, it's not something everyone can learn. But some people just comes to them. That's what you do. Yeah, I don't know how to. I don't know how to say it. The elephant just saves her life. You know. Yeah. Here, it's almost almost sounds like he was just dropping her off. You know. Yeah. And the heroic end. You know. Exactly. Here you live. But I nice. think uh, I think that's a good story to end on. And yeah. you know, I like to think that Ning Nong is still alive out there somewhere. You know what? Yeah. Screw it. Ning Nong survives this whole thing. Why not? He wedged himself in the yeah, wall. Yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, we can say it's it good. survived. <laughs> he could wait till it when it receded. He was stuck there, and then he got out. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah Ning Nong's alive, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but that is going to wrap up the episode, Dave. Okay. This was a good one. This was fun. Yeah. And. I figured out a couple other things. Now we got now I got more episodes to figure out. So thanks for that. <laughs> And nobody got killed except for 200,000 people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice, Matt. 200,000 people. That's the most no, deaths in an episode. Yeah, no, we went from no kill count to the most kill count. <laughs> yeah. But um, all of our stories end happily for the main characters in them. 
And uh, I like I like stories that I like. I'm a big I like happy endings. They're they're always good for yeah. stories. And I hope everyone else enjoyed our holiday episode as well. Uh, so for next week, I have not decided exactly what our topic will be yet. So I guess it'll, it's going to be a surprise. Okay. Uh, the following week, we will be doing our recent animal stories. This will be our fourth one, actually. Oh, okay. It's one that we do every two months. And I have also collected... I've Oh, dude, for this one, it's going to be... This is going to be really... It might be our, It's probably going to be our best recent stories yet. Oh, yeah? Dude, I got so many of them. I, like, I keep track. During the two months, I write each one that I see down. I've got like right a on. dozen of them. So I might have to pick and choose. But I've got some great stories for us then. And then the following week, we are going to either cover... I was thinking about it. Either bears, crocodiles, or wolves. I'm kind of leaning uh, towards bears. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what I want to do, yeah, bears. I don't, I'm that calling it right now, bears. So we're going to do an episode all about bears. So we're going to go through all the different species of bears. There's actually eight of them. Wow. So we're going to go through them all. And then the following week, we're going to do a special on polar bears. I okay. said I wanted to do that this winter. So we're going to cover polar bears in the next couple of weeks, sometime in January. That'll be good. Yeah, yeah. So, but for next week, it could be anything. I, I really don't know yet, guys. Uh, I just haven't been able to figure it out. And I also want to say, we, kind of the same update as last week, but we, we're going to release the Siberian Tiger episode. Here, here, maybe we could do this. If our if we can't get the Siberian Tiger episode to work from our phone, like transfer it through the oh, microphone yeah. that way, we can try that. We, and then yeah. if we can't do that, then maybe we'll just do a, a rehash of that next week for the episode. Okay. Maybe that's a maybe, or we'll just have a whole new episode. I don't know, but the Siberian Tiger, I've got a lot of things to add to it now. Oh, do you? Okay. So it would be actually be a good one to redo completely. Okay. So maybe that's what we'll do. That sounds okay. like a good idea. And we also have a shout out uh, to give this week. Now it's not for a review, but it's for an email by Paul Coco. Paul Coco. He is a fan in New York. Who sent, hey. who sent us an email uh, recommending a book to us, which looks really cool. And apparently we missed a Jaguar attack story. Oh, really? Apparently there's a brand new attack story in the Jaguar story in this book. And he, uh, Paul told me a little bit about it and it sounds awesome. So oh. I, now I got to get this book and we're going to do an, we're going to, I'm going to tell another story of Jaguar attack. Nice. Okay. And so I plan on getting the book. So thank you very much, Paul Coco. We appreciate that. And if so, if anybody leaves us review, uh, leaves us a review, we will give them a shout out. Or if you do what Paul did, give us a recommendation. But re- a review would be nice as well. Yeah. <laughs> so make sure to go to iTunes, give us five stars, say something you like about the show, or leave a re- if you can't if you don't have iTunes, leave us a review on whatever platform you use, or go to our Facebook page and leave one there. Uh, <clears throat> it, leave it. You can leave us a review as our Christmas gift. Yeah. Yes. And if you want to be an even more amazing person with a better Christmas gift, like the uncle who's been away for a long time and wants to give him a really cool gift, or the stepfather <laughs> that wants to show up the real father, what you can do is go to um, you can go to PayPal and leave us a little donation. Hey. <laughs> I mean, I still don't really like say, talking or saying asking about it, uh, but it would, God, it would be super awesome. And a dollar here, dollar there will. Really help us out. It will help us out buying like the research books. 
Yeah. Like, that's what all the money will go. I swear, all the money's going to go right back into the podcast anyway. Like, I got to pay the fees to have the, to keep it up. I got to get the books, which is going to be really great to have more books because yeah. going through books is actually really one of the easiest and best ways to do an episode. Like, where Jim Corbett episode was fully from a book. Yeah. So, yeah, that would definitely help us out. Also, I need more notebooks and pens. I swear I've gone through every pen that I own. Yeah. We, those are for the kids. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Yeah, I'm using <laughs> all your family's pens and uh, notebooks. <laughs> I seriously books, yeah. have what, a, a, over, a, I think, a dozen at least by now notebooks completely filled up. At least. But, yeah, honestly, uh, a little donation would be more than wonderful. And the way you can do this is on PayPal. You can find us by our email, forceofnaturepod at gmail.com, or simply search Force of Nature. And secondary option is on Venmo. With uh, You can send it to my personal account, Matthew dash Hamilton dash 51. It would be more awesome, wouldn't it, Dave? Yeah. All right. And also remember, if you or someone, you know, has a cool animal related story you'd like to share, or maybe you came across a cool article and you want to send it to us. Or if you found a book that you think we might like, send it to us. Or if you just want to say hi, email us. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, ask us questions. Tell us. Oh, this is a good idea. So if you want to hear a certain episode like you have you have an episode in mind send let us know maybe we can do it if you want us to cover uh raccoons if you want us to trash pandas then just <laughs> let us know and maybe i might put that ahead of the list if we get it from a listener you know what i mean yeah. so feel free to email us about anything at forceofnaturepod at gmail.com or you can find us on facebook and talk to us there and we're also on instagram and i've been doing a little bit better on there and we're uh, one thing we also really hope people do is start telling their friends and family about us. Yeah. Um, that's the best. That's a really good way. Word of mouth is a very beneficial way other than the reviews, which of course you need to do, but <laughs> um, reviews and word of mouth, man, that helps out so much. So please do that. If you get a chance, Whew. I'm losing my voice again, Dave. It's <laughs> a lot of words. That's a lot of words. <laughs> I haven't counted my, I haven't done a word count on these yet, but I'm going to, Normally, my notes is like a good 25, 30 pages uh, handwritten, so my hand always hurts after uh, these. But anyway, yeah, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, also, we want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, right? Yeah. Um, anything else to add, Dave? No, just hope they enjoyed uh, listening to animals saving people. Yes. Even though we usually talk about them. Normally, it's death, them. but we switched it around this yeah, time. Yeah, for the Christmas season, you know. Yeah, we hope everyone enjoys it. Um, this is our longest episode we've done. Is it? Hey. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So let's let's wrap it up, Dave. Okay. This is Force of Nature Podcast. Thank you for listening. Be sure to tell your friends. Be a part of building us up. And we will see you next week. Bye. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.